This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. Well, this week is going to be dominated by rail and tube strikes uh, with walkouts over the next few days on both National Rail and TfL lines. Katie, just explain how we've got to this position. There's been a lot of complaining from the Labour Party that Grant Shapps uh, hasn't been convening talks between uh, the rail operators and the trade unions. The government's been saying, no, that's not our job. So, so, so how have we ended up with the strikes definitely going ahead? Well, ultimately, because no agreement has been found and there's no compromise or negotiated settlement as we speak, of course, you cannot rule something out happening ahead of tomorrow. But it's really hard to see that that would be the case, particularly because, as you touched on, you have the transport secretary suggesting that he is not going to be hands-on in these talks. Now, the government line is that this would add more complications to the conversations that are already going. But I think it it's a decision by the government which can go two ways. In the sense, there is obviously a risk. It looks as though they're not doing everything in their power to try to stop this. Now, if you go back to the cause of the strikes uh, in the first place the RMT rail union wants a 7.1% pay rise and they also want to stop compulsory redundancies which is down to planned closures of ticket offices I think we can see from comments from for example the chief secretary of the treasury today Simon Clark and others that when it comes to the pay aspect of this this feeds into a wider problem and one we're going to be seeing more when it comes to public sector pay which is effectively the government does not think this is a year for public sector pay rises or at least substantial ones their reason being they say this will add to inflation and while lots of people are feeling the squeeze of cost of living the argument you hear in government is that to hand out these um, you know, in line of inflation, perhaps even above, pay rises would only make the problem of inflation worse. Now, you can argue that, but clearly the people who are seeing uh, money going to their account and finding it goes on less and less are going to struggle to buy that, particularly when the people who are saying are often people who are on six-figure salaries. But I think the the government not folding on this does just show you how how there is a sense that they are going to hold this line when it comes to mass strike action. This won't be the only one. And the question is, does it get so hot that they feel they have to change tack? James, this is awkward for the Labour Party, isn't it? Because so many of its front benches have given some kind of support uh, to the unions and the Conservatives have been hitting this pretty hard in campaigning emails and uh, various letters between different front benches uh, about their support for strike action or otherwise. Is this something that, that Keir Starmer has walked into as a political trap? Yeah, and I think the problem has been made worse for Keir Starmer, the fact that because there is this speculation about whether there might be a vacancy at some point in the future, depending on what Durham Police decide to do. You know, so you had Wes Streeting in, in, indicating that he worked on the railways, he'd have voted to go on strike, and apologising to Shadow Cabinet for that. And I mean, that, that has made the situation more difficult. I think it's also hard because trying to argue that the government should get round the table with the RMT is, is more difficult considering some of the things that the RMT have said about the government. 
And I think in political terms, this is probably the easiest of the coming potential strikes for the government to deal with. In that, you know, you can argue that train drivers are well paid uh, in comparison to other equivalent professions. You can argue that the railways received huge amounts of support to keep them going during the pandemic. And so they should recognise that. While as if, you know, you end up with nurses or teachers going on strike, that's, that, that's, that's a much more difficult political calculation for the government. I think the other question is, you know, uh, as Katie was saying, you know, how much appetite does the government have for trying to hold the line on public sector pay? And where is, how much is it prepared to go up to? I, the Bank of England is now saying inflation of over 11%. Uh, I don't think anyone expects you know, public sector pay increases of 11%. But obviously, if, if inflation is at 11%, offering people a 4% pay rise will, will really seem quite meagre in comparison. And Katie, we've had Simon Clark, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, saying that people shouldn't be asking uh, for um, inflation busting pay rises from their um, public sector employers. So we, are we likely to be heading for a, a summer of discontent? Yeah, I think we're heading for a difficult summer in many ways. First off, not to depress listeners, I mean, you're going to have mass travel disruption and some of that will be strike related. But also, if you just look at what we're seeing of airlines, I think um, the fact that staff are just struggling to cope with demand, we can go into the reasons of that. But I think we have previously discussed that on this podcast and therefore I think lots of people are not going to be able to get to where they want to be for various reasons which is um, going to be difficult and then also I think when it comes to the pay aspect well we know that inflation is set to get worse um, if you look at the recent Bank of England um, forecast of rates rise the fact that they now think it's going to get to double digits and the Treasury has already announced some support when it comes to energy bills in advance of that but as the energy cap rises are, are they going to have to do more and I think you can have a situation where public sector workers are not, you know, getting these pay rises. But then we've also seen what happens when people can't make ends meet in the sense of pressure that Rishi Sunak came under after the spring statement, where I think there was a belated acceptance in the Treasury that not enough had been done to help those worse off. And therefore, they had to bring in special measures. So you might not go through it in the pay rise way, but I think if, if those who are uh, you know earning less and fail to have that situation improved cannot make ends meet, you, you, there is now a precedent in some ways that the government will have to step in later down the line. And James, we've also got coming up two very difficult by-elections for the Conservative Party, the uh, Tiverton and Holloton by-election and the Wakefield by-election. Both follow the resignations of Conservative MPs in extremely damaging circumstances for their party. Neil Parrish, because he admitted to watching pornography in the House of Commons chamber, and Imran Ahmad Khan after being found guilty of sexually assaulting a young person. How are the fights in these two very different seats looking? I mean, I mean it'd be very hard to find anyone who thinks the Tories will cling on in Wakefield. And that is obviously going to create some nerves among other people elected in equivalent seats in 2019. You know, seats that have been traditionally Labour, that went Tory for the first time in generations in that election. Tiverton and Honiton is more interesting. There was a kind of sense that the Lib Dems were going to, were going to do what they'd done in North Shropshire and Chatham and Amersham and overturn a massive Tory majority. I still think that is the kind of broad view on what is likely to happen. But there has begun to be a bit of sneaking... Um, Tory optimism that things might not be quite as bad as 
they fought down there and because the majority is 24,000 they might just cling on now just clinging on would actually be a terrible result in reality considering how large the majority is but I think a thirsty man in the desert they would seize on that and try and say that that was the beginning of some revival I think you also can see in some of the the policy moves that the Tories have taken in recent weeks on, for example, you know, growing more food here, moving away from some of the rewilding agenda and the like. They are trying to brace themselves for the backlash that might come from rural Tory MPs if this seat is lost. Of course, you have a situation where technically Boris Johnson is safe after the confidence vote. So I think when people originally thought of trigger points, you had local elections, you had the by-elections and then you had the Privileges Committee. And I'm sure more will pop up as we go along. But I do think a little bit of the drama has been taken out of these by-election results, just as an, even if you speak to the most dedicated rebel who cannot think of anything better than ousting Boris Johnson from office, they accept that it is far too quick to move again against the Prime Minister and it would look potentially obscene to try and change the rules you know less than a month after you tried tried to remove someone from office particularly because a lot of the rebels who take issue with Boris Johnson and his leadership cite the prime minister's uh, their perception of the prime minister's disregard for rules as one of the things that they find the most troubling so I think there is a sense they don't want to look as though they can be accused of the same thing but I think it can do a few things and it's been an interesting I don't know theory going around Westminster in recent weeks where on the day of the confidence vote, you had a situation when Boris Johnson was talking about, well, Boris Johnson's supporters were suggesting to some, well, he can call an election. I think, I think there was some Red Wall MPs, that I think they may have got confused, cause I just, or perhaps they were just told this, that even if Boris Johnson lost, it was going to be fine because he was going to call an election that night, despite no longer being leader of the Tory party. Didn't didn't quite follow that one. But that was some of the talk amongst, uh, you know, aides working for Red Wall, for some of the 2019 intake. But then I think more seriously, and again, I think if you speak to senior figures, they deny this is the plan. But I have heard from different sides of the party, the speculation of what, couldn't Boris Johnson call an election this autumn? And the the idea goes that you would take the Privileges Committee investigation off the slate by going for an election before it. And perhaps you could run on wedge issues. You know, the fact, you know, things like the Rwanda policy being obstructed, though. I'm a little bit confused as to how a majority... If you can't do a majority of 80, what's their plan to do a majority of 30? I don't know what the revisions are, but saying oh, this could be the way to do it. But more generally, I think there's just a sense that Boris Johnson could call an election and he could show his party that way. If you lose two by-elections, I think the the idea that that threat holding much potency amongst your party already it's a met with scepticism particularly look at Boris Johnson's own seat which um, he's currently on course to lose but I think this idea of threatening elections in the coming months or years if it looks like there's going to be a second confidence vote is going to face more and more scepticism. Thank you Katie, thank you James and thank you for listening. Spectator Economic Innovator of the Year Awards, sponsored by Investec, are open for entries. If you are an entrepreneur-led business bringing radical change to its sector, please apply at www.spectator/innovator. We are looking for entries all across the UK, and our closing date is the 4th of July.